0: Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another belated episode of Box Office Bootleg. I'm your co-host, Robert. And I'm your co-host, Reggie. Welcome, everybody. Absolutely. Um, it's been a bit. Uh, we went through the whole month of June, uh, had respective great life events happen. And also, apparently, the box office apocalypse is upon us. Basically, none of the movies were able to break out. In fact, uh, certain movies completely bottomed out. And even the success story, compared to expectations, but, you know, expectations can kind of be like, you know, it's a whole kind of loaded thing. We're talking about Toy Story Mm -hmm. 4, and uh, the bummer, and this is a total mea culpa on my part, Mm -hmm. Uh, we did actually record an episode where we talked about Toy Story 4, and of course, like, the current state of the box office, and like a moron, I forgot to save... Uh, Windows decided to update behind my back and we lost it. It's gone. Gone in the breeze. Uh, like like Angeloid Weber and his fucking cat that ruined Love Never Dies, the sequel to Phantom of the Opera. Um oh, just, it still is there. It's still no, exists. No no no, but thing is he didn't approach that project for like 15-16 years because when mm-hmm. he was working on Love Never Dies, his cat fucked up his computer. And it was the only copy of it, and he was so distraught from losing, and he was about 80-90% done with it. He was so distraught Mm. over that happening, he didn't want to touch the project for years. Like, he was that bummed out about it. Oh. So, um, but you know what? We're soldiering forward. We're we're moving onward, and uh, this episode is a special July box office preview. It's a pretty tight one. It's not our gargantuan, ridiculous May one. I don't know how we survived through that month of May, Uh, since it was a five-weekend month, and also everybody decided to release everything, and this month, six movies, six new wide releases. Can you believe it, Rich?
1: No, I can't believe it. I mean, whoever, like, thought, uh, whoever's the distributor, I mean, all these distributors thinking that they can make most of their money before God knows what. Well, you know, at the end of the
0: day, and and it's something that's a important factor to bring up with, like, how dire, I'm, I'm doing air quotes just to mm-hmm. give people, you know, as MR or whatever. We'll, yeah. we'll do an ASMR podcast episode one of these days, <laughs> but that's another one. Click. 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 I don't know. We gotta practice it, Rich.
1: But um, <laughs> no, you you were way too loud for the ASMR. It's like you you have to be really soft and oh like, gentle to the mic. I mean, like that's that's why. That's why there's like a fetish, like like this. This has become a fetish on YouTube and certain websites. <laughs> yes. No, the funny is uh, like you know, you, like and what makes it worse is like you have like these beautiful women like just like caressing the microphone, and it's like we know what you're doing. Oh, the but, funny,
0: the funniest one I saw a parody where it was like it was this uh, black comedian that was like, um, it, it was like um, oh oh ASMR, like, ASMR yeah, from, yeah. where it's like this is. The sound of my hair. Yes, I do use hair product in it. Yes, it does take work. No, you may not touch it. (laughs) But, uh, anywho, so, moving on, moving on to the subject. It's just that, um, the actual numbers of the year were halfway through 2019, and the actual domestic numbers... Compared to 2018, the difference, Rich, is only eighty five thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Like it like it's actually super tight. So if one of these films that haven't broken out was
1: able to break out, the year would actually be a little ahead of last year. I mean, like that's fine and dandy, but like the only difference is is all the profits are going to Marvel. I mean, sorry, to Disney. Yeah. Well, mouse, that, I mean, like, the mouse is pretty much only a majority of your box office. Yeah. And that, you know, that's the
0: unfortunate thing where, of, of that domestic gross, 40% of it is Disney. You know, so if Disney wasn't here, ooh, then everything would just be like, you know, then the sky would be falling. Then it would be
1: Armageddon. Then you would see, you know, all, all these different really, things being pushed. I really do not know. Because, I mean, like the, I mean, like from all, judging from all the crop of films, which is mostly sequel and superhero films. Yep. At the end of the day, you need to make movies that people want to fucking see. Again, that they can't get
0: on Netflix, that they can't get on Amazon, that they can't get on Hulu. Or but what again,
1: have you. but it's like some of these movies that they do make the, for Netflix and Hulu, it's like. Nothing make a dent uh, so far. It's like you got your, you know, you got your Central Park Five that came out. Of, you know, they said, you know, you got the one where the uh, uh, one Central Park Five, and then the uh, the one on Bird Box, which is like way back in the, uh, way back well, in, well, Gen- Netflix, Netflix I mean, knows November, how I mean, to. December.
0: Yeah, Netflix knows how to take advantage of like an immediate discourse and everything like in the fable lost episode that we did, we talked a Mm. little bit about the fact that apparently um, one of the big movies that was able to get like the most engagement recently was that murder mystery movie with Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston, where Mm. Netflix claimed that 34 million people watched the damn thing. Yeah. Did watch it. Now, the whole thing is that when you hear that is that we don't ever actually know the statistics respectively and the actual viewings of these Netflix shows, Hulu shows like we don't actually know the numbers. So for all we know, they could be fibbing. We don't know if it's like at a certain point. When do they count it as like
1: a view or an engaged? Well, like view? T- that's well, the t- thing. Well, typically when they ca- uh, like. Typically, the movie has to be screened up to seventy five percent to be counted as a view. Yeah. So, uh, so as long as again, it's like you can pause the movie or do whatever, but if that movie continues uh, to play and crosses that seventy five percent threshold, yeah, then the Netflix will count it as a view.
0: Right. Wait, but, uh, now, the factor, of course, is that the whole convenience of being able to watch like these films at home is that. It could be playing in the background, and you could just be farting around on your phone or something like that. So the, the inherent, but, like
1: actually knowing what the hell it is, is a whole nother thing. Well, I mean, like that's my thing. It's like, well, what's the point? Uh, like, yeah. what's the like, what's the point? of just putting on a movie, a movie, and like just like fucking around on your phone.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, just. People need different kind of engagement stuff, and and the thing is, is that an Adam Sandler comedy is exactly the kind of thing. It's like, it, really, any type because any type of joke rich in an Adam Sandler movie is going to be telegraphed way in advance. Like, there's going to be like an obvious setup where it's like it's going to be a Kevin James being like, "Hey, I'm going to go in this tube and swing it to the lake." No, yeah. you shouldn't do that. Uh, here he goes again. And it's like it, you get like a two minute setup for the joke. So yeah. then you can actually be able to be like, oh, OK, the funny thing's about to happen, which is kind of brilliant. That's probably why so much of his movies on Netflix. That's why Netflix re-signed him up for,
1: like no, I think, 60 the, films. The, the, and- the brilliant move is having Netflix pay his vacation. Because if you watch them, like if you watch the trailer for Murder oh, Mystery, like he's like traveling all over like Europe.
0: Oh no, it's not even a theory at this point. Like I know, like one of the early half in the bags yeah. um, that Red Letter Media did. Also, congrats, Red Letter Media, on getting a million subscribers. That's really awesome. Took long enough. Um, One of their early half in the bags is the one that's about Jack and Jill. And they basically just lay out the whole thing where it's like, this is basically a Ponzi scheme Uh, on the part of Sandler and all of his buddies where it's like the budget for their films are always like unusually inflated and also a ton of like product placement in it. So and what's funny is that I think a couple years ago it was the one with. Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore, where like they're going on vacation. Oh, in you're South talking Africa. about Blended.
1: Like I, I, I I, saw, I caught it on HBO. Like, yeah, yeah, and you know and in that, that one, it was like, meh.
0: it's mad. But when he was doing the interview circuit, he basically just said, "Yeah, I basically determine my movies depending on like where I want to go on vacation for." So, but more, po- I don't know. It's like
1: whatever. Yeah, I mean, to say he's a nice guy, but. That's like, come on, dude. Like, like, it, it, it just hurts that he just doesn't care. Yeah. Although what's interesting is
0: that, like, with the Netflix films, he was able to do. I still need to see it, but I've heard great things is the stand up special that it did. You know, it's okay. like, oh, he's still maybe he can take a risk or two, but I don't know. I mean, like he has and he has, what, and he has
1: Hotel Transylvania money too. So it's well, like again, he has different but, money. Avenues. But with Hotel Transylvania, you dealing with another you dealing with filmmakers that gave a shit because that was Gindi. Like that was all Gindi. That like pretty much like he was the sixth guy who, that uh he was the sixth director to be hired, and he brought his vision to the table. And yeah, what sucks is that like an, uh, we'll go into a little like yeah. behind
0: the scenes stuff and everything that we just know because we keep our ears to the ground with the animation industry is that he basically had to fight tooth and nail for any type of creative decision that he wanted to with those hotel Transylvania movies, because Adam Sandler with Sony, he has so much pull with that company. And especially with the sequel, it was him and Robert Smeagol, uh, you know, the guy behind uh, yeah. Triumph and Soul, yeah, 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 Comic Dog. Um, yeah. They tried to do everything they could to keep like taking the film creatively from Gennady. And it's like Gennady kept being able to like hold his ground, you know, and uh, he was able to do that again with Hotel Transylvania 3, which ended up making like five hundred and ten million. Hmm. Um, nothing beats a vacation uh, sequel. So um, that was able to make a ton of money. And now Gennady, fingers fucking crossed, man. Will hopefully finally be able to do his other cool projects, you know. Like he's doing
1: that primal one for Adult Swim, which looks um, awesome. Like um, I haven't, like, I haven't seen any, any uh, I'll, I'll artwork sh- or.
0: I'll show you afterwards. Uh, Adult Swim did a teaser for it. It's basically mm-hmm. just like an unadulterated, um, like M rating, uh, like prehistoric uh, caveman series. You know, okay. so basically him just going completely nuts with the design and the. so, well, but, so. Who's,
1: but who's animating that like,
0: oh, he's a, he's with it. In fact, I want to say that there's somebody else that like is working with his people, too. So it's not just him doing it, but it's even like a collaboration. It looks awesome.
1: Well, I mean, like, well, that's what I'm saying. It's like, like it's cool that he's, you know, doing all the work and all that stuff. But. But I'm just curious, like, who's, like, who's taking up, like, the production? Because, like, 9 times out of 10, like, if it's, like, 2D animation, it's, like, it's going to get over, it's going to head over to Japan or Korea.
0: You know, though, he's, uh, the the cool thing enough with him is that, like, he's still, like, pretty hands-on with it. Like, even if it's, like, a shared production. I mean, the man's insane. The man's insane. Like, the fact that, like, when Hotel Transylvania first came out, mm-hmm. that, like, he just decided to just keyframe an entire short. He was just like, hey, this movie's successful. I'm just going to keyframe fucking mm-hmm. animated short with the Frankenstein. Okay. There you go. There mm-hmm. you go. Just, like, able to do that in, like, five weeks is just, like, insane. Anywho, moving on to mm-hmm. July... Um, obviously, we have the 4th of July weekend. Uh Uh, We're recording this July 1st, so we have our first major release. (coughs) It's Spider-Man Far From Home, Uh, where we take him out of Manhattan. He's in Europe. He meets Quentin Beck, a guy that you should absolutely trust. You should just totally believe him when he says that he's from another world. Just 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 believe him. Mysterio. He has again. you can trust a guy with a fishbowl helmet, right? I mean,
1: you can trust a guy with a fishbowl helmet, but but they they are kind of teasing. They, they're like they are kind of hinting that this is like the start of phase four.
0: Well, well there's the big there's the big introduction um, with the fact that like there's they're introducing the idea of the multiverse. Yeah, you know, they implied that like when they did the whole thing with the battle with Thanos and in game that it had its reverberating effects with the multiverse yeah. and that's a huge thing. And yes, they've basically said that this is going to act as like an official, if not necessarily the end of phase three, then definitely an epilogue for phase yeah. three. And yeah, it's it's basically going to launch off to the rest of it, but it's still like one last um, recollection for this journey that we've gone with, with mm. Peter Parker and all this kind of stuff. Now, How do you think that they're going to reveal the thing with Beck? Because Beck obviously is full of shit. It's just how do you think they're going to introduce how he's full of shit? Hmm.
1: Do you think that he's lying
0: about the multiverse or do you think my theory is that he is from another alternate timeline, but he was like a loser in that timeline and is trying to be like a fake superhero in this timeline. That's my theory.
1: I mean that's that sounds that sounds plausible because like my only thing is uh, is either that or since Spider-Man was gone.
0: For five years, yeah, he,
1: like, he says he was gone for five years, conveniently I was saying, I mean, with all like, his
0: friends, and yeah, but we're not um, going to get into that.
1: It's mean, a cinema like, bullshit
0: again, sin thing. We're not going to get
1: into that again. Like, since he's been gone for about five years, I think Mysterio like built up a reputation, uh, like build up a reputation. Unless, ooh, I like that theory. So you're saying like
0: he's a guy that's waited for his chance. And he built up this whole fake ass story.
1: Yeah, but but I like that. I like that. But the weird thing is, is I know, and like it kind of trips you up because like Nick Fury was also gone too. So he kind of knows, like back in a in a way, in the movie, it's like it was like like it was like after that he or or you got to think of it this way.
0: Nick Fury, Nick Fury's been gone for five years. Yeah. He's back now, and imagine somebody like Beck. It, it's like imagine Nick Fury is trying to figure out. All right, what happened these past five years? And then, lo and behold, this mysterious fella mm-hmm. is able to inform him with the story. Mm-hmm. So, I'm I'm I'm, or, intri-
1: I'm intrigued. If like, are they well, gonna? Have but there are some be- surviving members of Shield. Like so, right so it makes you wonder uh, like if like it. well it makes you wonder where where um, you know you got you know you got some survivors of S.H.I.E.L.D. so they yeah. kind of like either they, you know like try to like continue to do their job without, the, you know the leader uh, leader around right and they watch Mysterio and I'm thinking that maybe to build up that reputation he started out with like petty crime uh, like either you know like something like you know like thieves and all that stuff before like, before, like, um, like, and before, you know, like, coming up with, I don't know. Well, in the comic books, I believe
0: that he's just, like, a failed magician who just steals most of the shit that he mm. uses to create his illusions and stuff, so, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. Now, to yeah. the, to the important thing, what do you think the numbers, what numbers you got? I have it, uh, I have it going at, uh, 130. 130 from July 2nd this Tuesday to or do you think that's what it's going to open the weekend?
1: See, yeah. The, that's it's, why it's tricky. Losing, because, because, yeah, that's, like, like, that's why I had it like for the weekend. It's yeah. like 130. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, I'm going to say I think over the six days. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure how it's going to be distributed. But I think at the end of Sunday it will be a two hundred. I think it will be a two hundred, hmm. and I think that now. What do you
1: have it for final gross? Uh, final gross, I had it at three thirty. So you think it's going to drop off that much? I was, I was going off of uh, the last film, and. Well, the last film opened a little low. In fact, um, one
0: of the frustrating things that I saw is that, like, in a lot of, like, the forums with box office, you notice that, like, a lot of fanboys have been able to, like, just, like, creep in. And there's this insane thing with Spider-Man Homecoming where they were trying to, like, be like, oh, Spider-Man had a deeper drop. It's second weekend. I guess it's MCU failing. Take that, Marvel people. Blah blah blah. And yeah. it's like the movie ended up actually finishing out with um yeah. Let me see. Like, well,
1: a homecoming is at 334.
0: Right. It ended up being like, um, let's see. It ended up being yeah, it ended up being the highest grossing film that's not the Remy trilogy. Because the lowest grossing film of the original spider-man flicks the toby Maguire ones spider-man 3 finished with 336 Mm -hmm. and spider-man homecoming finished with yeah 334 million now here's the important thing though is that spider-man homecoming almost ended up being the highest grossing international spider-man because spider-man 3 is still at the top it finished out with eight hundred and ninety million dollars. Yeah, I know a lot of people are like Spider-Man Three made that much, and it's like, guys, you should have been there. Spider-Man Three, when it debuted back in two thousand seven, was the largest three day opening of all time yeah. at that point. One hundred and fifty, and it's an, and it's insane to think that we live in a day and age where like every a movie was able to make more than the original opening weekend record
1: in a single day. Yeah. That's bonkers. I mean, then on top of that, you also got uh the fan favorite Venom. Like even though like even though like fanboys hated Venom, it's like it, it was Venom enough made, it, Venom
0: it, it made was, fucking it, 800 million fucking dollars. That's insane. That's yeah. insane. So like the- international audiences fucking loved Venom. So And you had a Spider-Man movie that won an Oscar recently. So, and you even had an amazing game, too. Like the Spider-Man PS4 game. Yeah. Fucking loved that game. Absolutely loved that game. Um, Yeah, that one had, like, amazing accolades, too. So, Spider-Man is at its peak, and I'm going to say that it may actually be able to go past the original Spider-Man's gross. The original Spider-Man grossed $403 Four hundred and three million. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, with inflation, that's a whole other thing. But yeah. I think it's gonna skirt past, or Disney is definitely gonna give it some love. It's well, gonna give it some love.
1: No, nah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't like hold it past Disney to give it some love because um, well, it's technically I mean, when, Sony, but come on, Disney is gonna buy up some tickets for this thing. <laughs> most like like I said, most likely. If, it, if it's going to perform, it, like, any, uh, I mean, I would just say, uh, like I would have to look at the opening weekend to see, uh, like how well it's going to hold out, because, like, none of these movies, is like, after, I want to say, four weekends, four weekends, uh, like, usually it'll just drop, drop from there. Well, yeah, but I think I'll make enough, especially
0: because it's, like, it's really the only main action one for the month of July. Because then uh, we'll get into the other releases just because it's such like a small uh, so few films coming out this month that I think I'll be able to take advantage of that. So um, you're sticking with 330 maybe thinking
1: 350 maybe? I mean yeah I'll put it at 350. I'll make more than it's uh, than the first one. Yeah yeah definitely. But um, yeah like I said I, I just do like I just do not know like it's should, be, it, fun. Should depend, be fun. I mean, like, it depends like how well it performs on the 4th of July. And that's always been like a wild card.
0: Absolutely. Um. So moving on to the other release. And it's an A24 wide release. Our wonderful studio, A24. Have, A24 has made some of the best films, Um. you know, released by a studio in the past five years. And Mitt Sumner is coming to us from God, I hope I'm. Is it Midsummer? It is Midsummer. Okay, I thought it was being like, oh, weird with it. Okay, Midsummer. Midsummer. I am so sorry for (laughs) mispronouncing it. But yes, Midsummer is coming from us, from um, Arias Star. Um, He was the gentleman who directed Hereditary from last year, which um, was another A24 Mm -hmm. horror release. Not horror horror, but, you know, it, it was marketed as such. And Hereditary ended up being the second highest grossing film in the studio's history. Um, Now, you have to understand, A24 hasn't made that much. It hasn't had like a blockbuster film. The highest film that uh, A24 has ever released is Lady Bird. Lady Bird ended up finishing out with $48.9 million, which considering its budget made a profit. Did extremely well. Mm-hmm. They got a hereditary, super low budget. Ended up with forty-four million. It opened to thirteen point five million, mm-hmm. which may not be like it's nothing crazy, right? It's nothing crazy. Like to put in perspective, the uh, Chucky movie, uh, Child's Play, the remake, opened to fourteen million. Yeah. So it, it's not like gonna set the world on fire, but because. But considering this was a wide release by A24, mm-hmm. that's still pretty commendable, especially for a film that, from what I've heard, is on the otter side. Like, it's not like a traditional it's,
1: conjuring horror it, flick. It's, no, no, no. Like, again, it's like, they like, let's think about the studio. Is The studio, like, the problem is, when you look at the advertising... <laughs> They typically advertise it as this is like the scariest shit you have seen, or like one of these like it's like a scary horror film. Mm-hmm. But for a lot of horror fans, like the horror, like most of these horror films are mostly psychological. Yeah, so it doesn't sit well for people that are fans of slasher films or or like the and jokes. They don't even really do slasher films that much. They're all like spooky, spiritual, haunted house shit. But like even then, it's like. Like, again, it's like, I don't know how people, like, will jump, like, you know, jump at the side of a table moving in, in Paranormal Activity, it's yeah. like, that's what I'm saying. It's hey, like at least
0: Paranormal Activity didn't do, like, the fucking jump scare sound bites. That's at least some, or I, I don't know, maybe the sequels started doing the bullshit, but the thing with the early ones is that, like, they didn't use the bullshit sound bites. The Conjuring movies absolutely do. But it works for
1: its audience, which is infuriating in a but, creative way. But again, but the fact that something like, like but, but see, like, here's the reason why I don't like I don't like hate so much on the conjuring because the, what what made the conjuring for me is the acting, the storytelling, and like the filmmaking itself. Yeah, like I'm, they're rock solid and I really enjoy those movies. It's just that when you start talking about like Annabelle, where it's like it's a spooky it, doll. It's a doll that does nothing, and it's like okay. So and, my fo- and I'm like I'm not interested in the characters that they even presented me. So it's like yeah. okay, it's like this is some garbage, and I'm watching. And, and it's like same thing with the like again. That's why I just don't bother with the nun or any of the uh, other the side movies because it's like like they are they you know they each each of these each of these side movies came from like moments in the country movies where they were really cool. Like like with like with the whole nun bit in uh, the country two, like that was like, you know, that was like a like that was a really good setup for like for that jump yeah, scare. It's still it's still a little more haunted housey
0: than I care for. Like it's effective, but like in a haunted house way where it's just like, of course, like if something is thrown at you, you're gonna flinch. Yeah. That doesn't mean it's actually like scaring you, you know? Yeah, or like one of those like bul- I, or like one of I, those bullshit YouTube videos, like in the early days of YouTube, where it's like, look at this image for five seconds. Yeah, and, the, and it's like, ah, get the fuck
1: out of here. No, nah, no, my uh, like no, the one that I hate the, the that's now becoming one of my biggest pet peeves is is those long shots where like the camera sits wide and like uh, either that fucking like, violin. No, not the not the violin. It's uh-huh. like. But it's like you got this character, like uh, you got the character that's like this, like the main. You got your main character like close to the camera, mm-hmm. and then something spooky way on the other side, and then and then it just speeds up and like like and then grabs the person. Yeah, that's irritating.
0: Anywho, yeah, so to the numbers like, at hand, um, Midsummer yeah. has actually done like I think a pretty good job with it marketing with its advertisement like i like the fact that like it's actually sorry about the helicopter um yeah. that um it's actually like advertised itself like a music festival like a coachella see, like it's doing like the weird you
1: see that's that's what i'm saying it's one of those things where where um like again what what got me with hereditary is like did have disturbing imagery so that's what kind of helped out with the cycle psycho- of I mean, like the I mean that's what kind of helped that movie to get beyond that psychological nature of it because it yeah. does go bonkers at the third act of the movie. So so the I mean like I said um like I said the problem with Somar is they naturally, they're holding back all the scary bits. They show you like hints of what's going to happen, but I'm just like I'm just thinking that, you know, you got your go going They're not going to like that movie and like, like, like the subsequent days it's going to drop. So you my theory is that I think it's going to end up
0: with 1315 over its five day, but drop pretty quickly, even if it turns out to be great, because I think what you're talking about is that. I think there is going to be that audience that is going to be on their holiday, the more casual audience, where, like, they're going to go into this and it's going to be, like, more,
1: you know, messed up material than they're used to. Well, I mean, but I'm just saying, well, I me mean, for me, I have it at $8 million. $8 million over the five day or for the three day? I would say three, like, for three days. I mean, even if they get up to ten, like, I don't see, like, I do not see this movie going beyond... Like, again, it's again, like, horror fans are so fickle, and with a lot of these A24 films, it's like, like, they get them hooked with these trailers, but, like, sometimes they'll just come out, like, saying, like, this is bullshit, man. I wasn't scared. Yeah.
0: Or I mean, it's like, uh, or just like,
1: it sounds so cool. I mean, have you seen it, The Witch? It, it, no,
0: I regrettably have not. But,. The, the thing is, is that, like, I can at least understand the frustration where it's like, I think that we are so used to horror movies being set up a certain way that when it kind of tries to do something different, we're not acclimated to be scared in that kind of way. Right. Like, we're not acclimated in a way to be able to, like, actually, you know we're just so used to where it's like, ooh, spooky ghost, or it's like, jump scares,
1: jump scare, jump scare! Well, then, again, it's like some of these movies are really slow burners. I mean, uh, I think It Falls is not an A24 film, but Is It Falls an A24 film? No,
0: no, no, it's not. It's not.
1: I think but, it's a
0: searchlight film, of all things. <laughs> but, um... But yeah I think it'll open strong or at least strong relatively for an A24 wide release film that's even weird to say in the first place and um, yeah I'm gonna go with 15 for the five day but I think it'll drop <laughs> I probably get about 30 total which considering that I'm sure the film was dirt cheap you know still makes a profit and A24 can just go on making other amazing wonderful poignant uh, Dynamite most, again films most likely.
1: Well, depending on how those movies will receive, it's like another one of those movies that I might see at um, when it comes to Spirit Awards, they may give it yeah. they may throw a bone. Yeah. I mean so, that's I mean that's how I felt about with uh, with the other movie, uh Book Smart. Where it's like, yeah, Booksmart didn't do well in theaters. I mean like I don't know why uh, why the fuck they uh, like they just didn't push the movie hard with they're going to do a wide release. But, but or coming, I mean, like, coming out the date that it did, like it needed to. It
0: needed to do the little Miss Sunshine route. It needed to go small first, build up the buzz, build it up over time, and then by the time it's like mid July or August, then it's like oh now it's close enough to wide release, mm-hmm. and now it's able to make some dough. You know that's the yeah. way that it should go in. Like,
1: I mean, like, like, like I said, even then, I'll probably see it again. During, uh, like, like, like enough people love the movie that it may get uh, some nominations uh, for the Spirit Awards. The
0: Spirit, probably something like how Eighth Grade <laughs> uh, was able to do that. But anywho, moving yeah. on from Fourth of July, the next week. We got two flicks. We'll probably just go through these because, like, I mean, it's a fucking crap oh, yeah. We got like, we got Stoop. We got um Stuber Stuber, uh, which is um, new comedy with mm-hmm. uh, Dave Batessa, and I'm gonna look up because uh, um, I don't want to mess up his fucking.
1: Thing. It's <laughs> it uh, Cal Kamel uh, uh, Net Kamel uh, yeah,
0: yeah, Nanjiani, uh, yeah. And, uh, yep, it's it's a buddy cop movie. You know, yeah. we got an unfortunate Uber driver with a super intensive, possibly incompetent, you know, hard-edged cop, which yeah. is charming. Uh The guy who directed it, um, Michael Dosey, I want to say, Dose or whatever, D-O-W-S-E, um, he doesn't exactly have the most prolific uh, background. He directed that "Take Me Home Tonight" film, which is actually one of the worst,
1: yeah, <laughs> worst comedy openings. I don't know about the well, film, the, the, what, but it opened yeah. horribly. Well, here's the thing: it was that movie. It was. Like the movie, like the movie did so bad internally that they shelved that project for two years. Yeah. And it's, and again, this was at the time where they thought Dan Fogel and, um, what's his name? Um, the guy who, oh was, God, um, yeah. The guy, no- uh, guy who plays Venom, um, uh, Venom in spider uh, segment three. Uh, 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 in Spider-Man 3. uh, um, Oh, Topher Grace. Topher Grace. Yeah, it was Topher Grace, Anna Ferris, and yeah, it was when they were still
0: trying to push both Dan Fogler and also Teresa Palmer. Where the fuck has she been? What was the last thing she was in? Yeah, yeah. She... Last thing she was in was that Hacksaw Ridge movie and Lights Out. I mean, she managed to be in fucking... Knight of Cups, so she managed to get into a Terrence Malick movie. Um, That's not not a good one. Yeah, she she ended up in a Terrence Malick movie, and it was the one. Yeah, it's like it's 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 one of those. Oh, she was in the Point Blank, uh, Point Break remake. You know the one that costed one hundred and ten million dollars, and they had the brilliant idea of releasing it four days after Force Awakens. That was a, that was a good call, Studio yeah. who did the Point Break remake.
1: But, my uh, no, my favorite part of the trailer is where like where the, the two like the two leads fall off the cliff. <laughs> and it's like they, they had no pair like shoes had they had no parachutes or anything, and it like it looked like it was like accident. An
0: issue with when you're trying to remake something is that if I can't tell the fucking difference between your two male leads. Where, like, if they're getting into a scuffle, and I can't even tell the difference between the two of them, you might have an issue with this movie. So, um, but the most recent movie that I did was that What If movie, that one with Daniel Radcliffe, which, I mean, was from CBS Films. They tried to do it semi—they tried to do it limited— they expanded too fast, so it didn't really make money. I heard it was cute, yeah. but it, it was it's one of those I, again, things. It's yeah,
1: it's like, like I mentioned the direct saying it doesn't really impress me. Yeah I mean like it, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't like ooh this is like I have to go I have to go see this movie because yeah. of this so-called director.
0: Now but, now the advantage this movie has going for it uh-huh. is that um there really hasn't been just like a straight up buddy Comedy in a while, mm-hmm. like from what I heard from the reviews, or at least like the way that it was marketed. Shaft is ultimate was ultimately a buddy comedy, but I really I wouldn't classify it as like a summer buddy comedy. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Where it's like it's two actors not getting along in a ridiculous mm-hmm. situation
1: and to get yeah, into shenanigans. Yeah, there really yeah, hasn't been one like that this summer. It was so ba- it was just a bad script. Like, like Shad, Shad was just a bad idea. Yeah,
0: yeah. but um, but with, but with this, uh, but with Super, I'm, I mean it's it, it it's not doing gangbusters numbers. I'm sure, but I'm just gonna throw it out there. I'm
1: thinking sixteen mil, maybe forty five total. Yeah, about no, same here, fifteen. Fifteen thirty five probably. Yeah. I mean like the, the, the it, thing is like the problem is is like the like the, the premise the premise works. Like the premise is funny on paper. Yeah. Where where it's like, oh it's kinda of like collateral but you know, FBI agents take let's uh, like an assassin's FBI agent yeah it over Uber. Uh, I wonder right. if that was how it was actually pitched. It's like imagine if collateral was hilarious, guys. Yeah. <laughs> but, but but here's but, but here's the problem, like and what like the kid, like the lead that you picked to play the cop, he's not a major draw. I mean, like he's part of like an ensemble in the Marvel movies. If you put in the like, well, again, what's crazy is that this is it,
0: it, this is his like, first this is,
1: time as a lead actor. And not has, only is he, he doing it
0: once he has another one coming out next month. My spy. So it's, again, it's he, not only his first time,
1: he has a whole nother one a that he's. Spy doing. The spy with a kid movie. I mean like yeah. that's he again, he he is pulling the Vin Diesel route. How
0: many people do you think are gonna be confused when they go to this movie? And it's like, oh, I thought this was the one where it was like him with the kid. Nah, not really. Mm, Reg, I worked box office enough years. There are totally fucking going to be people that are going to be like, oh, I thought this one was the one with the kid. It's going to happen. It's going to be hilarious. (laughs) It's going to happen. But hey, it's to its advantage because maybe people will be confused enough to just think that this is the same movie as that My Spy movie. And it might help its numbers, Reg.
1: Enough confused people. Enough confused people. Enough confused people. I'm just saying that the movie the movie would have done Gamebusters if it had The Rock. Yeah, but Central Intelligence like ha- like played around that time. Yeah, 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 and I don't know. I guess I guess like I would really
0: like Dave Patisa. Sorry, helicopter again. Um, I I really like Dave Patisa. So if it were and I like Kamel. So
1: if it works I mean, out for the two of them, more power works. to them. I mean like it, it'll be like like I say it'll be fine like it, like it'll probably play fine but but it's not it's, it's not going to be this breakaway hit. or nah. uh, you you know what it struggling. will take
0: advantage of it'll take advantage of if somebody goes to see Lion King the following week and we're just about to get into that big guy. Yeah. Um, if enough pe- if a person goes to see Lion King <laughs> the screenings are sold out and they already saw Spider-Man and they're like, well, I don't want to see that fucking alligator movie. Can we just see this? Uh, I'll just see a comedy. And they'll be like, OK, let's just see a comedy. And it might help it out. Might help it out. But speaking of a fucking crocodile movie, we have Crawl. Um, basically, your first creature feature. Um, you always get one or two of those in the summer. Sometimes it turns out amazingly well like Meg was able to do last year, where Meg was just completely able to break out. <sighs> Obviously, it had, like, a much, you know, it,
1: like, I'm nuttier concept, pre- but... It, it pretty much played well in China. Yeah. Alejandro... Yeah, and... I mean, uh, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean like, like, did the Meg actually did that well domestically?
0: No, it did great domestically. It made, like, 135-something million here, and it made, like, 510 million... Internationally, overall, it made some gangbusters money. Okay, so I'm, I'm shocked that they haven't announced a sequel. I'm shocked that there's not like the Meg 2, bigger Meg. I'm, I think it needs to be bigger Meg. It
1: has to. I think they're just a little bit timid because, like, domestically, like, domestic, uh, like, domestically, they're really tiptoeing because, like, at 130 something domestically
0: it matched its budget domestically and then made so
1: much more money overseas to totally compensate for it again it's like they're they're pretty much playing with like they're just playing with fire at that part uh, at that point
0: oh actually I, i i i'm mistaken um it made 145 million domestically and 384 overseas so it ended up making $530 $530 million mm-hmm. off of a $130 million budget. So it it, it it did more more than enough for itself. Now, this guy, though, is going more so for that, like, 47 meters down mm-hmm. kind of money. Um, oh. The unique thing this one has going for it is that, you know, it's from Alejandro um, Aja. Um, he's an interesting character when it comes to, like, hits where it's like he's never...
1: Done the breakout, breakout, but he's certainly he—he's never done a, a bomb like his break. I mean, like his breakout would have been "Don't Breathe," but well, he—he he didn't do that guy. But you um, didn't do
0: "Don't Breathe." No, no, like he's been his first breakout was "High Tension." You know, like he—I haven't seen that one. Like his background is with that, you know, French extreme horror. You know. Um, with with different flicks like that, then his first film here was The Hills Have Eyes.
1: Mirrors. He was also. Um, I saw his uh, like he did the Evil Dead re- remake. I've seen that one.
0: No, 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 he didn't. Um, he didn't I think, do, you think, he, you think you think you're thinking Lexi Alexander. Lexi Alexander did. Um, no, he no, she didn't do that one. Lexi Alexander did. I don't know. There's too many X's in these people's name. <laughs> Because the guy that did Don't
1: Breathe, uh, let me look. Because it was like they did advertise saying that uh, from the people that brought you Don't Breathe. Well, producer, because
0: Sam Raimi is producing this one. Yeah. Oh, um, Fede Alvarez uh, was the Uh. one who directed Don't Breathe. And
1: uh, uh, and he did the, the, the Evil Dead Remake. The
0: thing is, I could have sworn um, Alejandro um, Asha did Silent Hill. I could have sworn that he did Silent Hill. Let's see. Uh, when the hell? It's so hard to search. All right, there we go. Ah, no, 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 not PT. PT, go home. Oh, that's a tragedy. All right. Let's see. Uh, director, director. Oh, no, Uh, Christophe Gaines uh, directed that one. Okay, he's the guy who also directed like Brotherhood of the Wolf and uh, the Beauty and the Beast,
1: but the French remake of the original French classic. Oh, so you want to cop Jean Cartier? Good luck, buddy. Yeah.
0: Well, anywho, so all these different French guys, right? All right. The the guy that's doing this one, Alejand, um, Alejandro, um, you've seen the premise. It's a simple premise: hurricane going through Florida. Yeah. yeah. Girl has to get her dad. Alligator. That's an invincible alligator. Um, <sighs> shenanigans occur. I'm sure it's going to be gory. I'm sure it's going to be ridiculous. It's PG13, dude. No, it's R. It is R it's R. Oh, they're for sure going R. So um, No, I could have sworn it was PG-13. No, nope, it's rated R. Come on, it's Sam Raimi. Sam
1: Raimi wouldn't puss out like that. Dude. A, drag uh, Me to Hell was R. No, Drag Me to the Hell was PG-13. Was it? Yeah, that that um, movie tip-toed, uh, like the, tiptoed the R rating. Yeah, it, it did. Okay, but in this case, though... Alejandro is pretty
0: strictly in the R-rated thing. He directed Piranha 3D
1: and that was, like,
0: super, super, super R.
1: Um, and but, just I mean, co- but again, it was, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, we, we went for the TNA and gore.
0: Yeah, and what's interesting, this one doesn't really seem to be going
1: super hard for that. And um, like, at, Yeah, because as I really as, don't see, because, again, it's like, it looks like, like it's mostly like a bottle film and like, not to mean people are going to die. Yeah, it seems like a lot more claustrophobic, almost like a home invasion like, as opposed that's, to like that's what I'm a saying, more it,
0: ridiculous It concept. could have been a like, PG-13, like A Quiet Place. Unless they're going really hardcore with like the actual like gnarling, uh biting and cracking and eating and crap like that. But, um, yeah. I don't know. It, again, these specific kind of like, you know, Gory, ridiculous R rated creature features has its own audience. Mm -hmm. Um, Just looking at the numbers for Piranha 3D, Piranha 3D was able to do 10 million back in 2010. I'll take inflation, I'm going to say 12, 13 million opening and finishing out probably a hair under 30. Maybe. What say you?
1: Yeah. I see see, you performing that like that. Okay. Because uh, this is Paramount, and like they're like they really Paramount die. needs
0: like, a win. Paramount needs a win. So, like,
1: they they looked up at the Quiet Place, um, and like the Transformers movies is not pulling in the money. Mm-mm. So, so are pretty much at, at square one with properties.
0: Yeah, yeah. Just to put in perspective, um, the films that Paramount has for uh, the year. Um, is basically Crawl then we have Dora the Explorer then we have Gemini Man then we have then we have Terminator Dark Fate then we have Plane with Fire which is building up a lot of um wait I guess it's a different film some flick called Plane with Fire then we have a flick called Rhythm Section uh Mm -hmm. with Blake Lively and Jude Ball action thriller kind of thing I, I don't know anything about it and um, that's pretty much it for Paramount. <laughs> so basically, all of their moolah is in Dora, Gemini Man, and Terminator. So uh,
1: more power to you guys. Uh, good luck. It's like I don't know. Like Gemini Man is a wild card because yeah, it's like I know like, they, like they're putting their money on A. Lee and Will Smith. Mm-hmm. Anywho, so yeah,
0: that's the second weekend, and we're going to talk about the Mamba Jamba. The Lion King, obviously the live action or live dilly or CGI, but not CGI animated. However, it's not the
1: animation. However, oh
0: shit! Oh, I guess we're not gonna get sponsored anymore. We're not gonna get press
1: screenings, Reg. We need to get press screens. Disney animated. Not, oh shit! Yeah, uh, this, the, the, it's the, like It's, it's the visual to- effects. I mean, like it's spectacular. The, the
0: totally, totally. <coughs> I mean, not. <laughs> CGI animated remake of the it's, line. It's page. all visual effects, man. It, it's it's totally visual effects. Totally visual effects. Okay. Um uh, it, it, okay. Did, did it's a check. Fucking amazing. Did the did the check? The effects are oh, so fucking CGI. amazing. Okay. 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 All right. All right. Check cleared. All right. Yep. This amazing visual effects interpretation. Of the Lion King. Mm-hmm. Uh, with, of course, an uh, incredible all-star cast. It's still going to have the music. They still haven't actually shown the animals singing it. And we're, <laughs> we're two a- and a half weeks out. We've got a, little, a bit- little bit of it. We got a TV spot that played during the Bachelorette. Because, of course, it would. Where we do hear, you know, uh, Donald Glover and oh, Beyonce okay, singing it. it. We do hear them sing. Oh. Mm-hmm so there is singing from these characters we still haven't seen it but yes um, anticipation is high box office wise um, you know at one point uh, projections were saying a 200 million dollar opening but right now they're being a little bit cautious at 150 just because like they tried to do the overzealous projections mm-hmm. for Toy Story 4 where they were saying it was gonna be 200 million for that one and it opened to 120. Still doing amazing. Still yeah. doing great numbers. Just below expectations, kind that's, of
1: bullshit. But so Disney's covering their butt, okay, with like saying 150. percent so. this, this is this is what draws me. This it's like, what more do you want, Disney? Because it's like, look at your past movies. Like, the, like the only one that crossed the 200 marker is is uh, the Incredibles. The Incredibles two. Well, for
0: animation, yeah, they were way, way, way too yes. ahead of themselves with animation, especially because not everybody goes to opening weekend for a Pixar film. You know, yeah. the great th- the thing with Pixar movies is that they have long legs, which means that people will see them later on. Like Ratatouille is yeah. the great example because Ratatouille, I think, actually had like one of the lowest openings for a Pixar film, mm-hmm. at least at the time. But it crawled its way over 200 million, took 10, 11 weeks. They had to give it more theaters late weekend, but
1: it crawled over 200 million. Yeah. And But I mean, like, but for Lion King, it's, it's like, I like, you're talking I would be about, surprised. I'd be surprised that if it falls below 200 mil. So you're going.
0: I'm going 200 mil. You're going 200 mil. Okay. Yeah. I am gonna go with a hundred eighty. A mm. hundred and eighty. Um yes. which is still amazing, which is still huge. I don't know how fucking expensive this movie is. This must be this this has to cost a pretty penny.
1: Uh, I mean, I'm assuming that this movie is probably probably like a Marvel movie, like two fifty, I wanna say like two fifty. Um like a $250 bill budget. Well, because
0: Jungle Book, I believe, had a budget of 170 But it's
1: 250 because think about the talent that they had to hire to do the voices. All the
0: talent and the CGI and just, like, obviously working around the clock on this thing. And you're bringing back Hans Zimmer for the score? And, yeah. Yeah. You're, and writing new music and all this crazy crap. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, now, and the, and what I'm, do you
1: see it finishing out with? Um, I was I had it around between five fifty to six hundred mm. domestic. Mm.
0: Yeah, yeah, like it, it'll it'll basically have the rest of the summer. I yeah. feel like, and um, as we've seen with Aladdin, Aladdin has been able to pull off amazing legs because of that nostalgia, because people want to go see you know this new version of a whole new world, yeah.
1: and you know. Um, Friend and me and all that kind of stuff. Right. I don't know what they're expecting, but it's it's something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I, I, it's gonna I, be the same I, thing with see- this
0: one because you would almost argue, like, if there's a film that is the apex of the mm. Disney Renaissance, you know, even though Beauty and the Beast was the one that you know got the Best Picture nomination, mm. you can hear the argument that like the culmination of the talent. Of the ambition of the music, all accumulated with the Lion King.
1: Not really. You don't feel that? Nope. What do you feel was the apex for the Renaissance? Well, problem is, it's like Jeffrey fucked up uh, with the with the uh, with the Lion King because what happened is is like yes, you can consider the Lion King as the apex of the Disney Renaissance, but. But what happened is, after Aladdin, he wanted to produce two movies a year. He wants to have the prestige film that was going for the Oscars and some our blockbuster. Mm-hmm. So, so, pretty much all the money and resources went to Pocahontas. While the B-team so, like, if you went to Orlando, like, during that time mm-hmm. you got to see the animators and people working on The Lion King. Hmm. And, like, the people that were working on The Lion King felt, like, so jaded by that 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 I mean that that pretty much inspired them to do you know put their heart and soul into that project because they because again the way how Jesse uh, the way how Katzenberg, like pretty much set the set the teams up so like everything in Glendale like so everything in Burbank and Glendale ah uh, Catsburg that's that's, that's, that's all the uh, A pictures and then the B pictures but then. After the after Lion King and Pocahontas, it, it was like, oh, well, since one team is working on one movie, the other team will work on the other one. So while people were working on, um, while Burbank was working on Hunchback of Notre Dame, you got people working on Milan, uh, like, like the films that were in Orlando was like Milan and, um, uh, I don't know if Hercules, no, Hercules was Hercules was Burbank. And yeah. uh, Lilo and Stitch was uh, Lilo and Stitch was one, and I think maybe Emperor's New Groove. Well, Emperor's it New was, Groove, remember, went through some stages. Yeah, like, remember, it was it was yeah. supposed
0: to be Empire of the Sun. Yeah. Like, they were actually planning to make that um, like their next serious, you know, yeah. period epic. But then somehow, some way, they just completely went a different direction with yeah. it.
1: But uh, I know for a fact that Mulan and Lilo and Stitch were. Uh, or the Orlando project because of uh, 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 what's his name, uh, the director. Like he was, like Chris he was A- well, Chris Sanders did. Chris Sanders. He was, he was Yeah, yeah, he was part. Of, like he was part of the Orlando uh, team. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, man, the Orlando team really just like coming, coming through with their flicks, you know. Yeah. Um, but but with that, and that's and that's like you know, little extra information with yeah. like what these productions kind of have to go through where it's like, you know, it's, it's a lot of like back and forth. <laughs> it really is. Um, yeah. but, but at the end of the day though, like when you think about like, okay, this is like the peak, this is like the peak. You can still really? make that argument where it's like, even though yeah. it wasn't set up to be the peak, yeah. the fact that like box office wise, Critical acclaim wise, yeah. Um, fan wise, like I, I can't think of anybody that has like. We're, we're not going to get into Kimba; it's another fucking thing. Um, but, yeah. but you, you're still. If if there's a <coughs> film where it's like, if you had to like scale respectively, where it's like, the Aladdin remake is making the money that it is. The Beauty and the Beast remake made insane amount of money, mm-hmm. and now we're at Lion King. Yeah. Which is probably going to flirt with that, and what what do you see it as its final gross?
1: I think it might have a chance for a billion worldwide. Oh, Rich, I actually, but I actually think I, I don't think, but I mean, like, like I don't know where would you like again? There's so many like now. There's so many movies in that billion dollar club that's on by Disney. It's like okay, would it, like would it be better than say Avengers? Like you know what and, I'm going like, to say? Avengers
0: or internationally. Is where I'm going big. I think domestically it is probably going to flirt with 600, Mm -hmm. but maybe finish out with like 550 or something. Yeah. However, internationally, I think it's going to make a billion dollars alone overseas. It's overseas gross Mm -hmm. is going to be a billion. It's going to be so gigantic in China. It's going to be so huge in Europe. It's going to be
1: enormous Anonymous.
0: in overseas markets. I mean, are you sure? I'm I'm you know what? I'm 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 um cuz I I'm because <laughs> i am i am making it my call of the summer.
1: I think I mean, like look at the like look at how Jungle Book performed. Like how did Jungle Book perform?
0: Jungle Book did amazing uh international numbers. Uh
1: let's see.
0: Let's see.
1: All right. Cuz it's talking animals buds um but again Yeah, yeah. Um so Jungle
0: Book, uh, the John Favreau remake yeah. one, it made three hundred and sixty-four million domestically, which mm. is an outstanding result. Yeah. Um, but overseas it made six hundred million. So sixty mm. percent of its gross. Now, Jungle Book is Jungle Book though. Yeah. This is Lion King we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And if it's making six hundred almost six hundred something here. I'm going to say I'm going to say it's going to make a billion overseas. So that means it's probably going to end up with 1.6, 1.7 billion seven. OK. Billion total. Gangbusters overseas. All right. Moving on to the final film of the weekend. Um, again, just because of how big people expect Lion King to do, that's why there's really not that many movies this month. Uh, the final film we're talking about is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um now originally Tarantino wanted to release the movie August 8th mm-hmm. because it would have been the 50th anniversary of the Mason murders. Which you could argue was kind of in bad taste, but um apparently the
1: studio got
0: the studio got super confident and decided to because originally it was gonna do the limited release yeah. first. And then come out because Noah Tarantino, like the whole reason he even wanted to do the movie was because he was able to film on actual sunset on actual Hollywood. It was actually really tight. They did actually like completely redo the storefronts and all that fun stuff. And the original idea is that, of course, he was going to do it at the Cinerama Dome because, of course, he would. You know, Um, but instead uh, the studio got super confident in the movie um, yeah. Let me double check who's releasing this one. It's Columbia uh, Pictures, of course. Well, it's well, it's, uh, Sony. Sony, but come on, Tarantino's gonna like it's gonna have the OG
1: Columbia yeah. logo on front. It's gonna well, it'll be, be the uh, no, it wanna be the uh, the 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 one that was in the seventies. It'll be mostly. 60s well technically 60s well i mean like 60 <laughs> was still it was still was the lady to- the torch lady so. yeah Like yeah. it mean, really so there's really that much he's going he's going lg he's going lg so um uh, i'm just curious like i'm just curious on on uh who released like wait who released the Hateful Eight? was it the weinstein company
0: um I want to say uh let's take a look let's take a look. I want to say that that was his first one that he kind of moved past them respectively. No, like No, oh, it was Weinstein. Ooh, it was Weinstein. It was
1: again it was right before the Me Too. like it came out right before me too.
0: Yeah, it was it was before the fallout and
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this is essentially his first movie after uh It's a, it's his first major studio
0: production too it's his first major one because like it it was always Miramax for the longest time and then of course he carried over to the Weinstein company Mm -hmm. and yeah this is his first major studio release which is already kind of like a weird thing to begin with so I don't know how that might have affected the production but it pretty much seems like they gave him like complete creative control like um wow I don't know. I don't know how see, long. How I long think. Is
1: this I think movie. Be, See, here's the thing. Sony. Sony wants that movie to be their Oscar contender.
0: So, but also make money. It's like if it if
1: it gets some Oscar nominations, cool. I would, but they also want money. The problem is, I don't know how. Like, I, I don't like given the subject matter. I don't know if it's going to perform well. Say, like with uh, with the Inglorious Bastards, because that's the only one that came out around that time
0: yeah with this one though i think it's like since it it's a more approachable material it seems like like the marketing has like pushed more of like an approachable thing it's not something esoteric like you going to see the hateful eight and it's like oh an intermission okay weird you know like you, you don't have to think
1: about like Rules before you actually go well, see this movie. That's if you saw like the road, like the actual roadshow uh, film, roadshow version of the film, because there is like there is a two and a half hour cut without the intermission. Yeah. Well, but,
0: well, you know what's interesting is that um, on Netflix they have the two different versions. If you wanted to do the intermission version, you can. Mm-hmm. Or if you wanted to do the theatrical cut, you can. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so, yeah, the, it, this was um, an interesting case where it's, like, it's it's enough name recognition. And you know, I well, Hateful Eight didn't set the box office on fire, but right. it still did good, considering yeah. how weird the release was. As- Django, of course, was, like, a huge release, but Django had the advantage of the holiday season. Yeah. You know, it had, like, the ability to build it was, it was in De-
1: I mean, it was in December. Uh, it had a December release. Yeah. Um but with that, well, I mean, like, k for a was expensive. Like, that movie was expensive. He, he, the fucking costumes. I saw those costumes in person. They're immaculate
0: costumes. But you can almost feel like a huge bit of the budget was just, like, with the costumes.
1: Oh, I mean, like, and again, he preferred to shoot in, like, Colorado with real snow. And, and it's like... the. Thanks to global warming, they had to like shift around the schedules a lot, yeah. Just to get, you know, just to get the exterior shots. Um, but yeah, yeah. The, but,
0: the irony is that like two of the films, uh, because the Revenant came around the same time, and that was yeah. like the big thing that it had to deal with as well. You yeah. know, where it's like we weren't able to shoot this film. You know, uh, um, we had to go to the peak of the planet to be able yeah. to do it effectively. So, um just yeah. pulling up the inflated numbers for inglorious bastards <laughs> mm-hmm. um so the film opened up uh wow, a decade ago, man, time flies um yeah. it opened up at thirty eight million, finished out with a hundred and twenty mm-hmm. and with inflation um it would have opened to the equivalent of about forty five million and the inflated gross of hundred and forty five so
1: um. do you think a- do you think this one will pretty much be able I to do that? I wouldn't. Mm. It'll be a tough one because even though even though like people do want to see Leonardo DiCaprio because this man hasn't acted in the movie in a while.
0: Yeah. So
1: he hasn't been in the movie it in a while. It
0: seems him having a little fun with the role. You yeah. got Brad Pitt. You have the juxtaposition of this... Of yeah. the Manson murders and, and, like, and um, people want to
1: see how the fuck did they reincarnated Bruce the soundtrack, Lee? The soundtrack is gonna, you know, probably like, be like, a he, great soundtrack. Like he's always good. Like, like he's always good with the soundtrack. Yeah. Like, so like, I, I have no. So what? What do you have for its opening then? I'm just saying that, like, given that it's late summer and, so like with this trend, like it might make twenty five mil. You think it's going to. 25 million and then 65. Wow. Really?
0: Yeah. Even though it has the release date by itself. Yeah. Wow. Um, I, I was going with. Um, I was basically just going to do like the uninflated numbers. I think it's going to open out to 38, 39 million and mm. probably finish out with probably 130. You think it's going to do less than Baby Driver? Like, I think, like, the bottom is at least Baby Driver numbers, because Baby Driver ended up finishing out with a hundred. And that was sold... Yeah, Edgar Wright, like, obviously, you know, the two of us love him, but he hadn't done, like, a major, major wide release, but there was enough of that and it had a cool-ass premise to it. Yeah. With with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, you're talking about, like, one of the most recognizable directors in the industry with... Two A-list actors, you know, a recognizable ensemble in an interesting time period, mm. you know, a time period that seems built for somebody like Tarantino. Yeah. And you still think twenty-five, sixty-five? So,
1: again, uh, like I'm looking at. Do you think it would have been better off releasing in, like, November or something? I would say, yeah. Um... Interesting. Like, if it had, like, a November... Re- or an October release. October release. Interesting. Like, yeah. if, if, like, if they went,
0: say, like... Like, if they went, like, a... De- well, de- stuff like the Departed and Social
1: Network. Yeah. Like, the, the wider they, release one. Because, like, the Social Network had an October release. Uh, the Departed was, like, a summer release. Oh, no, no, no. Departed was totally,
0: um... Uh, beginning of October or late September. I remember because I worked at the movie theater <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> when it came out. I think it was like the first month that I worked I there see. too. So I, yeah,
1: I totally, totally came out.
0: Okay,
1: yeah. Because yeah, no, I know, I know for a fact that the social network had an October release. Um,
0: oh yeah, uh, of- I mean
1: like October, and then you ha- then you also had um, Gravity. Gravity had an October release, but um, Martian did too. Yeah. Uh, but the problem is he didn't premiere his film at Venice. So, because the premiere day I can. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, so
0: so we got Reggie uh, really lowballing on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So, uh, yeah, we're already done with uh, July. So, um, yeah, exciting stuff. Exciting stuff. Uh, thank you guys so much for being so patient with the release schedule. Um, obviously, we lost an episode and different kind of like life events, all that fun, groovy stuff and. Um, hey who knows uh, mm-hmm. Box office might be able to make a giant turnaround
1: You never know So I mean What other turnarounds are we talking about um, It's like if it's It'll be it's, Disney The only turnaround is going
0: to be coming from Disney So so as good as it will be That like the industry <laughs> like, will be
1: healthy It's like it's still only it's like, going to one dude <laughs> It's like, yay, we made so much money at the box office. Um then everyone and then all the students are looking at Disney's like, yeah. Yeah. We we did a good job, did we? Ooh. Oh well. Anywho, uh
0: that's us signing off on box office bootleg. Listen to us on Spotify, iTunes, uh follow our SoundCloud, all the groovy stuff. This is your co-host Robert signing off.
1: This is Reggie. Good night. Good night, folks.